the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is brought to you by Bridgeway Community Church. From our nation's capital, welcome to Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. Seasoned expert on race, religion, relationships, Dr. Anderson wants to talk to you. Phone lines are open now, 888-432-7434. And now, please welcome Dr. David Anderson, your bridge-building voice in the nation's capital. Good afternoon, friends. David Anderson live right here in the nation's capital. How in the world are you today? Well, wherever you are, in your kitchen, in your car, maybe in front of your computer or your smartphone, watching me on Facebook Live, at Anderson Speaks is my handle there. Thanks a lot for tuning in. And, of course, on the most listened to Christian talk station on the East Coast, second in the entire country, WAVA, 105.1 FM right here in the nation's capital. And today uh, is Wisdom Wednesday. If you're new to the show, let me tell you how we roll. First of all, we've got Marriage Mondays, Tough Topic Tuesdays, Wisdom Wednesdays, that's today, Theological Thursdays, and then Open Phone-In Fridays. Anything you want to talk to me about on Friday is fair game. And brand new is our weekend edition, 7 p.m. on this station. Make sure you tune in every Saturday night right here on this fine station. Today, if you're seeing me on Facebook Live, you see a handsome gentleman right next to me. I'm going to introduce him in just a moment, but it's Ben Watson. He is uh, the NFL uh, Ravens uh, tight end, and he has a lot to say. So today, it's Wisdom from Watson. That's what we're going to talk about today. You like that? I like it. So uh, let's pray and give our time over to the Lord, open up our phone lines, and then start the interview with Benjamin Watson, and we'll go from there. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to connect with one another, building bridges of reconciliation, and we just pray that you give us uh, your wisdom and your insight through through Benjamin Watson and through our listeners today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Well, we've unblocked our phone lines. Our lines are open now. If you want to give us a call, 888-432-7434. If you want to get a hold of me some other way, you can always go to andersonspeaks.com or our new uh, uh, website, embracegracism.com. If you want to let me know that you want to be a gracist as well and what that means, make sure you check it out. Now I want to introduce you to a gracist, somebody who's been building bridges of reconciliation, Benjamin Watson tight end of the Baltimore Ravens. By the way, he attended Duke University as a freshman and transferred to University of Georgia where he majored in finance. He was drafted in the first round in 2004 by the New England Patriots and 
as a Patriot. He got two Super Bowl rings in uh, 2007. You may remember that uh, season where they were undefeated, but then got defeated in the uh, <laughs> in the Super Bowl game. We have to talk about that. In 2010, he signed a three-year deal with the Cleveland Browns. In 2013, he agreed to terms of a three-year contract with the New England Saints. And in 2016, Benjamin Watson signed a two-year deal with the Baltimore Ravens. And he's also a spokesman for All Pro Dead uh, campaign. He has a growing family, a beautiful wife, Kirsten, and five kids, who I had the joy of getting able to see uh, periodically here at Bridgeway Community Church as one of our uh, attenders. But what you might know about Benjamin Watson, if you've been on social media, is he uh, had had a, a sort of a Facebook writing when after Ferguson, and that turned into a book. If you haven't seen the Facebook post, you ought to get the book. I remember reading it on the plane, Benjamin, and uh, looking at some of the stuff that you were writing, and it just really touched my heart. This mm -hmm. first book was Under Our Skin, Getting Real About Race and Getting Free from the Fears and Frustrations that Divide Us. Uh, since then, there's a brand new book that he, he showed me the cover of when we were on a trip together. We went to uh, Beirut, Lebanon to visit with Syrian refugees at the Syrian border. And that book just came out, Benjamin Watson's book, The New Dad's Playbook, Gearing Up for the Biggest Game of Your Life. Anyway, man, welcome to Real Talk. How you doing, brother? Well, good. Good to be here with you. Always good to be with you. And you have done a lot. You know, you're not just a football player. Did you always sort of grow up thinking, you know, I'm going to be a football player in the NFL, or was there something else going on deep inside of you? Well, when I was a kid, my, my parents used to say, I would always say, I want to be a football player and a missionary. Huh. And um, ironically, God has given me the opportunity to do both. Uh, being in the NFL, having to move around to different places, you kind of end up being somewhat of a missionary domestically um, and obviously being able to go to other places. But um, I, I've always loved the game of football. My mm. father played football at the University of Maryland. Um, he was a Terp from 74 to 78. That's wow. where he met my mother. Mm. Um, and so football was always in my blood and I always wanted to be a college football player. Then once mm. I got to college uh, and saw guys that I know go to the NFL and those sorts of things, the NFL kind of started to come into view. But mm. um, from my earliest memories, um, I can remember playing football in the street uh, in Norfolk, Virginia, where I was growing up, huh. playing in the yard, playing with guys um, in the neighborhood and those sorts of things. So I always had a love for the game. How about that? So a missionary and a football player, I guess the football has to do with your skill set. The missionary probably has to do with your heart uh, mindset. What was that about? Definitely. Uh, well, growing up in a, in a home where I saw – um, missions demonstrated mm. uh, for my parents. I saw two people who were believers. Uh, my father is now a pastor in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Mm. And, uh, you know, I always remember him speaking and preaching. Uh, I remember my mother serving in various ways. Um, I knew it was important that at some point you had to put your own faith in Jesus Christ. And so at a young age, I probably was around six or seven years old. I can remember my father, um, before I went to bed one night, uh, asking me if I knew about my eternal destination. That's kind mm. of an odd question for a young kid. Right. But I would ask a lot of questions about um, death and those sorts of things. And, um, you know, he told me John 3.16, which we're all very familiar with, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, mm. and whosoever believes in him shall not perish of everlasting life. Right. And right there, even though I went to church, I knew the church answers. My, my grandmother used to take us to church. She was a praying grandma. Mm. Um, I knew that at some point I, for myself, had to make a decision to put my faith and trust in Jesus and repent of my sins. Wow. Um, and so How at, old were you then? I, I was about six years old How when I really came that? to understand. Now, I've grown, obviously, since then. 
But, um, you know, we talk about a child's faith and we talk about the fact that you don't have to know everything to come to faith in Jesus Christ. You don't. Mm -hmm. Uh, What you have to have is a repented heart and faith. And then God will teach you from that point on. So um, my journey has been one of of spiritual growth over the last you know 30 years of Mm -hmm. my life. Um, But I point to that time when I really kind of had a true understanding and understood that that I needed a savior Mm. and that it wasn't enough simply for me to be at church and to be at Sunday school um, and all of those things, which are great things, but, but, but my soul needed, needed redemption. How powerful is that to have a man of God in the NFL, but he was really a boy of God and grew up to be a man uh, of God and will continue to be a man of God, whether you play football or not a missionary and a football player. Well, listen, if you have a comment or question, you want to give me a call, I'll invite you to join the conversation. I'll try not to hog all of it, but uh, there are no promises there. Here's my number, 888-432-7434. Get in where you fit in. That number one more time, 888-43-BRIDGE. I'm going to run to a commercial break because I have to, but in just about three minutes, I'm coming back. We're going to ask Ben Watson, what was it like to play for Tom Brady and Drew Brees? We're coming back. You're tuned in to Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. Side as the judge watch his son slug it out with the one rejected his love like the government with this covenant they try to smuggle him yo he still loved Dr. Anderson would love for you to join his brand new public figure Facebook page. Just search Dr. David Anderson on Facebook, and when you see his smiling face, click like. It's another great way for you to connect and follow the good doc. When asked the question raised by her professor, why are you here at Omega Graduate School? Sebla Digluhailu answered in one of her essays like this. I was not there just to add a prefix to my name, though that would feel good. The greater purpose of my preparation at OGS is to fulfill my mandate to be a change agent. The doctoral study is a time of preparation for me to see and to think, to understand the times, and to craft my way in fulfilling my calling. Sebla Digluhailu, a current doctor of philosophy student from Ethiopia, is a counselor and adjunct psychology professor who hosts a weekly radio show in the capital city of Ethiopia and is an advocate for empowering women and children. What is your profession and how can OGS help you grow to the next level in your graduate education? Dr. David Anderson is the new chancellor of Omega Graduate School, formerly known as Oxford Graduate School, and your education as a working adult is important to him, to God, and to all who will be changed in the world because of your important research. Go to OGS.edu today and apply, or call 1-800-933-6188. Have you heard any good lawyer jokes lately? Well, let me tell you about a lawyer who is no joke. That's James McCollum. He's a no-nonsense attorney who understands the law and he knows the Lord. When I have need of legal advice, I have contacted James McCollum. If you need legal representation, contact James McCollum at 301-864-6070. That's attorney James McCollum at 301-864-6070. And that's no joke. The Multicultural Ministry Handbook. What is multicultural ministry? How does it affect me? Why is it important? If you want to know the answers to these and many other questions, then the Multicultural Ministry Handbook is a must-read. This story was modeled on the pioneering planting of Bridgeway Community Church, where founding pastor Dr. David Anderson had the vision for a dynamic, diverse, grace-filled place. 
Authored by a group of folks who've been doing ministry together for many years, this book is a testimony of personal journeys and practical ideas for any church with the desire to do life as God would have us do it. The Multicultural Ministry Handbook, published by InterVarsity Press, can be purchased at your local bookstore, Amazon.com, or Andersonspeaks.com. Welcome back to Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. For more information about this program or for resources from Dr. Anderson, please visit andersonspeaks.com. You can call our hotline at any time at 888-432-7434. That's 888-43-BRIDGE. To watch us on Facebook Live or to check out previous broadcasts, visit Dr. Anderson's public Facebook page. Just search Dr. David Anderson and click Like. Join our text community and receive a free weekly text-piration from Dr. Anderson. Just text the word INSPIRE to 50555. That's I-N-S-P-I-R-E to 50555. And now, back to Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. And we're back. It's Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. It's Wisdom Wednesday, and I've got uh, Benjamin Watson, uh, Baltimore Raven, tight end, Christian uh, brother in the Lord who's live with me in studio. So we're getting wisdom uh, from Watson. And uh, I want to know about your uh, NFL experience, Benjamin, with uh, playing with Tom Brady and Drew Brees. For those of you who are not football fans, Tom Brady is a quarterback with the New England Patriots and Drew Brees with the uh, New Orleans Saints. You're catching the ball as a receiver. What was that like? Well, I, I tell you, the first time when I got drafted in 2004 and um, got drafted to the New England Patriots and nobody knew where New England was back in South Carolina. Well, where is New England? <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I, I didn't I didn't own a winter coat, um, <laughs> didn't have anything warm to wear. I ended up going to New England. They got 80 inches of snow that year. That was my rude awakening to life in mm, the north. Mm. But I can remember our first um, – OTAs, which are organized team activities, kind of mm. like passing camp or kind of the off-season workouts where you have practices. And I remember lining up. Uh, I was out wide to the right. Tom Brady was on the center. We were in practice. We were doing a drill against the defense. Mm. And he called the play, and I couldn't quite remember what the play was exactly. I couldn't remember what I was supposed <laughs> to do. But I so thought I'd get out there and fake it mm. and uh, line up out there anyway. So I line up out wide to the right. And I'm like, I'm just going to run straight ahead, and maybe, you know, I'll just luck up and do the right thing. Mm. Well, I'm running straight ahead for 10 yards, 15 yards, and all of a sudden I hear, and I look back at the ball's not in his hand. The ball had zoomed past my ear wow. and would have given me a concussion probably if it would have hit me. Wow. And he was upset because I was supposed to recognize the coverage and turn around and make, and, and make a completion there, and I didn't do the right thing. Hmm. That was my introduction not only to Tom Brady but to the NFL, hmm. the way you have to be precise, the way you have to be excellent at what you do. And Tom Brady, uh, my my six years there, he was like that every practice. He mm. competed against the defense every practice. He led every practice. He would yell at the defense. They would yell back at him. Guys like Mike Vrabel would yell, and they would mm. go back and forth with the Michigan-Ohio State thing. But he, if you're going to be on the field with him, you've got to know what to do. Wow. And I quickly realized that, you know, in the college is one thing, but in the, in the NFL, when guys' livelihoods are depending on it, he's got to be able to trust me to know when to turn around, when to make an adjustment, um, and when not to, uh, or else I'm not going to be on the field with him. And I've seen guys get mm. yanked off the field because they didn't know what to do with Tom Brady. But obviously one of those guys that 
I'm going to have a joy telling my kids about and grandkids that I played with a guy who is arguably, you know, the greatest quarterback to ever play, especially yeah. when you look at the the winning percentage, um, the Super Bowls and all those things. And, you know, then after six years, I go to Cleveland and um, have a number of quarterbacks there and then have mm. a chance to go to New Orleans and play with a guy named Drew Brees. And I really believe that Drew and I really connected because of where we were in life. Mm. Uh, he he had his fourth child. I had my fifth while I was there. We both been married about the same amount of time. I think just in life, being older guys on the team right. um, and older guys in the league at that point and still older guys in the league, we, we connected football-wise but also just as fathers, as husbands, mm. as men and um, have the utmost respect for him off the field as much as I do on the field. Mm. And you talk about a guy who uh, is not quite tall enough as a quarterback. Right, right. Y you know, a guy who, who maybe is overlooked because of those things, and then you get on the field with him, and you see him at practice. When everybody's off the practice field, and he's out there by himself going through reads, mm -hmm. calling plays in his head, visualizing where guys will be, going through his progressions while everybody else is done practicing huh, and is off the that? field in the locker room. So two, gr two great players. Hard work ethics for both of them, but it sounds like you had a closer relationship uh, with the parallel life journey yeah. that you had with Drew Brees. Does that translate onto the field as well so far as the way you connect with one another? It definitely does. I mean, you see teams and you talk about teams all the time that are really close-knit. You can think about your own working relationship wherever you may be right now. Um, working, whether um, you know it's it's in a law firm or whether a post office or whatever mm -hmm. it is, you know, you he, we work well in teams together as people in general. Mm -hmm. And when you have a relationship with someone, when you respect that person, a lot of times it's easier to work for and with them. And so when you talk about a football team, guys going onto a field, you know, eleven guys on both sides, you're trying to accomplish a goal. Um, it, when a guy that you know cares about you off the field mm -hmm. uh, is caring for you on the field. Uh, you want to fight for him a little bit more. And so definitely those relationships, we were really close-knit, I would say, that last year um, in New Orleans, and I think it, it showed. Well, you know, it's a sport, but a lot of people don't realize it's a job and it's a profession, and you have people that really take it seriously. And I was able to see that a little bit with you up close because we traveled together uh, to Beirut, Lebanon last year as we were doing some ministry and learning how to – uh, take in this uh, Syrian refugee crisis. And I remember on the plane how you were studying plays. I remember in the middle of the night, I'm not sure what time it was. Uh, <laughs> we, were we, were, <laughs> we were all confused. We were confused that you're, you know, you're going to a gym just to work out. And I was like, dude, you're work, working out so hard. And he's like, you know what, that's my job. Just like you working on your messages, that's my job. So there's a professional aspect to it, but there's also something about you that wanted to go on this trip. Tell us about that desire in your heart, and what did you learn when you went to Beirut, Lebanon? Well, a, a few years ago, I kind of had this, um, I don't want to call it an epiphany, but it's a realization that there is so much persecution going on in the world right now. Mm. And a lot of times we can be oblivious to, to it, being here in the United States, being able to go to church how we want right. to and worship however we want to. And I said, Lord, give me an opportunity to um, – to touch and to support those who are being persecuted for their faith. Mm. Um, and I knew specifically that it's happening around the world in places like North Korea and Nigeria and I mean S Syria and Middle mm -hmm. East. I mean, the list goes on and on of places where this is happening. Right. Then we come to Bridgeway and a guy that I barely know for about three months asked me to go to uh, Syria with him. <laughs> <laughs> and so my immediate thought was, you know, wow, I was just thinking about Syria and thinking about these people, and I know many of them are believers. Some of them aren't. Mm. Um, they still deserve to be taken care of. Some of them aren't, aren't Christians, and some of them are. Um, wow, w what a great opportunity. And talked it over with my wife, and she said, boy, you need an adventure. You should go. Because <laughs> um, I was a little worried. 
So the wife gives you the green light to go, you go ahead and go. Um, and while we met some people who, who were identified as Christians, many didn't. Mm-hmm. But but sitting there with them, realizing that these are fathers and mothers, fathers mm-hmm. who want to do the best for their children and mm-hmm. who, because of the circumstances that are out of their control, um, ha- have been sent to a place that's foreign to them um, with people that they don't know. And now they've got to fight and earn a living in a foreign place. Mm-hmm. And also seeing really what, what I really saw was the compassion of the human spirit. Mm-hmm. When you talk about the Lebanese who are willing to embrace them, many of them, even though yeah. there's conflict between them, um, we went supporting world vision as well and seeing what they do for people. And, right. and, and really for me, what was eye opening was just um, how how God's love and Christ's love yeah. really can can combat and demolish um, the the human retaliation and the human hatred that we have for people who have done us wrong. We yeah. heard from people who said, if it weren't for Jesus Christ, I would not help these people yeah. because I remember when they were occupying my neighborhood mm. with, with guns and with arms. Yeah. Um, and so, so hearing that from them really encouraged me when it comes to forgiveness, which is a really hard thing to do. Yeah. Um, you know, and breaking down those barriers. Uh, and, and then again, you know, we hear so much about a crisis it's good to be able to say I, I, I've seen some of it and I, I'll support it with my, my time, my talent, and my treasure, but I've actually been there and I've, mm. I, I've seen it with my own eyes. Yeah, I did as well. 888-43-BRIDGE. If you want to join the conversation, you can. 888 uh, When we looked into the eyes of these Syrian refugees, many of them just really wanted to go back home. It's not mm-hmm. like they wanted to come to America or or something like that. Was that uh, a sort of a paradigm shift for you as it was for me, uh, l- realizing that these folks really tried to l- survive? They walked, they traveled, they just tried to get out of danger, and then when they're at this place, it's almost like you think everybody wants to come to the West, but that wasn't their reality, was it? Well, we have such a lofty view of our country, and we should. Um, there's no other country that I would rather live in. Mm. Um, I'm American. I picked up my brother who was in china for six months and the first thing he said was back to america like so whatever <laughs> we have going on here this is still home for us but it's not that way for a lot of people now a lot of a lot of folks around the world um hold america in high esteem as they should but uh out of their mouths i want to go home mm-hmm. we had w- w- and i can relate to that it's yeah. like there's there's <laughs> no place like home right um they had some great lives jobs there they had homes schools um businesses uh back in different areas of syria that have been destroyed um, and, and one thing one of the dads said, we were sitting in a, in a, in a tent, tenant settlement on the border of, of Syria, and he said, you know, we go to sleep uh, every night um, dreaming and hoping that we wake up back home. Wow. Well, you know, home for us is the United States of America. We've got some of our issues here, and you know back in 2015, we watched some of those issues between police and citizens in Ferguson, uh, Missouri, and you wrote a, a post on your Facebook that really went viral uh, can you take me back to that moment of why you wrote what you wrote and what came out of it? Yeah, that that was a very emotional time for a lot of people in our country. Uh, you know, black, white, it doesn't matter, rich, poor. I think mm-hmm. we, we all had different responses to the things that we had seen when it came to um, people like um, Trayvon Martin and Tamir Rice and mm-hmm. Eric Garner, um, Laquan McDonald, a uh, l- little bit after that in, in, in Chicago. And um, th- just so many highly publicized videos of police mm-hmm. citizen altercations. The list goes on and on. And what we were seeing was what many of us knew was happening anyway, but now it was being brought to light. 
um, because we all have computers in our pockets right. called cell phones with great videos and high pixels and those sorts of things. Right. So we were seeing these things, and we all had a reaction to it. Um, on the one hand, there's much information you glean from a very short video. Right. Um, so there's a lot of context that's always left out. On the other hand, there's always uh, something that's happening that you have to respond to emotionally because whatever you believe is happening, it's still tragic to see these things happening. And so yeah. uh, what happened in Ferguson, Missouri, when uh, officer the officer killed Michael Brown, um, and you remember the riots and the response afterward. Mm -hmm. I was in training camp when it first happened, um, and I turned the TV on at training camp and, and saw what had happened and knew that about five or six months later there was going to be some sort of indictment possibly. We were right. playing a Monday night football game in November. I was playing with the New Orleans Saints, and we were playing, of all people, the Baltimore Ravens. Uh -huh. And they beat us down. Uh, <laughs> Baltimore style, they beat us down in New Orleans. Yeah. And uh, I get done with the game, and my wife tells me, Benjamin, they made a decision in the Michael Brown case. Hmm. Um, and I turn on CNN, Fox News, uh, local news, and we saw where the, the grand jury did not indict the officer. Mm. And I was upset. I was angry because I felt like all the things that had been happening and the climate that we were in, and all the things that I heard about and read about and have gone to see in museums were happening before my very eyes, mm. and I can't believe this is happening. It wasn't history. It, it wasn't. It was present. Mm -hmm. It was present. Mm. And it was happening now, and, it, and I felt like it shouldn't be happening now. So I was really angry. Mm. And so, Well, when we get back, yeah. I want to know, how did you take that anger and turn it into a positive way of trying to build a bridge? I also want to hear from you on what your thoughts are about uh, Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> so when we come back in just three minutes, we're going to continue our interview with uh, Benjamin Watson from the Baltimore Ravens. Looking for new flooring for your home? Hi, it's WAVA's Chris Roth. Look no further than 50 Floor. Several of us at the radio station have used 50 Floor, and here's why. First, it's simple and easy. They'll bring the showroom to you. They bring a wide variety of flooring options and no reason to drive all over town. Also, on the day of installation, you don't have to lift a finger or furniture for that matter. They'll do it all for you. Move your furniture, take up and haul away your old floors, install the new floors, clean up, and leave. And now until the end of the month, you're going to save big and receive 60% off all carpet, hardwood, laminate, tile, and vinyl. Now is the time to use your recent tax refund to invest in your home, increase its value, and enjoy brand new flooring. Plus, if you use the promo code WAVA, you'll receive an extra $100 off. 50 Floor also offers 12 months, same as cash financing. Call today, 877-50-FLOOR, or go to 50floor.com. Call 877-50-FLOOR. Pick up the phone, we'll be knocking at your door. Details and licensure at 50floor.com. Interested in upgrading to a new energy-efficient heating and air conditioning system? Call for a free estimate and receive up to $1,000 off a new Wi-Fi thermostat. Also, ask about the complete system checkup for only $89.95. Call J&P Heating and Air Conditioning today at 1-800-FIX-1110 or visit JNP.com. That's 1-800-FIX-1110 or visit JNP.com. Offer not to be combined with any other offers from J&P Heating and Air Conditioning. The Army National Guard is committed to keeping the country safe and our community secure. Composed of hundreds of thousands of citizen soldiers from all walks of life, the Guard is always ready to respond to local or national emergencies. We 
protect the homeland. We're always there when called upon. And in every state and territory, we stand guard for our communities. To learn more, log on to NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the D.C. Army National Guard. Aired by the Maryland, D.C., Delaware Broadcasters Association at this station. The Bitcoin bubble has popped. But the fact is, the underlying technology behind Bitcoin and cryptocurrency is the most revolutionary breakthrough since the Internet. Do you remember what happened after the Internet bubble? Yeah, now it's a multi-trillion dollar per year industry. This will be no different. And because this bubble has already popped, this is the time to buy low. Investment bankers and wealthy investors are just starting to take this thing seriously. And you should too. A long-term investment in Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, or Ripple could turbocharge your portfolio and change your life. Call Noble Bitcoin to get your free guide to investing in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies with your IRA and 401k. Just call 800-687-5405 and leave your email on the 24-7 voicemail to get Noble Bitcoin's free guide to investing in Bitcoin with your IRA and 401k. Call 800-687-5405. Leave your name and email on the voicemail and we'll send your report right away. That's 800-687-5405. back it's real talk with dr david anderson it's wisdom wednesday my special guest benjamin watson from baltimore ravens and uh, we're getting some wisdom from him learning a little bit about his life we just talked about uh his sort of response to what happened in ferguson several years ago Uh, he kind of came out with his thoughts on paper benjamin when you got that verdict that basically darren wilson the officer uh, in the shooting there of uh, Michael Brown in the streets of Ferguson, once that hit you, what did you do? Well, I I, uh, I stayed up a long time watching um, the reactions and people were crying and some people were happy. And uh, in the NFL, you always get one day off a week. And so we played on Monday night, so our day off was on Tuesday. Mm. And during that day, I kept feeling like I wanted to say something. I wanted to get my feelings out and tried a couple different ways and just said, you know, I'm just going to write what I feel. So I wrote about being angry, about being um, introspective, about being sympathetic to, mm-hmm. to, to both families um, mm-hmm. because I don't really know what happened. And, right. and now everybody's con- condemning the officer or maybe he did what any of us would do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I talked about being hopeless because, man, it seems like every day there's some new video out or something mm-hmm. else has happened to a black man in this country but also about being hopeful because I realized that we have made tremendous progress and we should celebrate right. that. Right. Um, and ultimately I ended up being encouraged because of the gospel. And, and as mm. a believer, I believe that the gospel is what gives us hope when it comes yeah. to the ills that we face in the world. We should be honest about our, our, our frustrations and all those things, but we are not a people that has no hope. Yes. Um, we live because we understand that Christ can, can, can really change the human heart right. and turn enemies toward each other. Um, and make us see each other in a different light than our humanity wants to. Mm. Um, and so ultimately, I'm, I'm encouraged because of that. But I think what happened when I wrote that was, you know, uh, we all have these reactions. We all have these emotions. But a lot of times we don't feel comfortable saying them. And I right. think that, that so by, you voiced it. I think by me voicing mm. just the, the roller coaster of emotions that we all have when we think about race and ethnicity yeah. and justice and all those things, we could all find ourselves somewhere on that roller coaster, yeah. somewhere at some time. You were almost voicing with so many other people. Exactly, were feeling. and that's what many people say. Say, so, you know yeah. what? That's that's how I was feeling. Yeah. I just didn't quite know know how to say. And it, it wasn't a clean cut feeling either. I'm angry or I'm not. It's yeah. it's a 
a, a mixture of roller coasters of emotions. Yeah, and, it, yeah, and so that's what it is. Mm. That's what we have to be honest about. And, yeah. and, that, and a lot of times, especially in the political climate that we're in now, um, we're not allowed to have more than one emotion. It's like you're a liberal or conservative. You need to have these two emotions. Mm. And you're um, liberal conservative, and whichever side of the aisle you fall on, mm -hmm. you must have these two emotions. You yeah. can't have multiple emotions even though we all know that we all do right it's like we we feel like we're forced into these these corners where we're not able or willing uh to communicate and really be honest with the fact that you know what we may not always go with the party line we want to search for truth and so uh, as believers but it's just as people in general people who care about uh, our country and what we're going through we should be people who adhere to truth and not simply mm. um our, our political stance or, or, or the color that we vote. So what was the hope for this book, Under Our Skin, getting real about race and getting free from the fears and frustrations that divide us? Well, the hope was 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 really, you know, part, part memoir, part manifesto. I mean, part mm. of it was me just explaining um, a little bit about my life, about my story, about my family's history, um, about why I think the way that I think, but also challenging all of us um, to see the racism or the prejudice and really the sin that is mm. in all of us, challenging yeah. us to realize that many of us are living room racist, mm. uh, challenging us to, to realize that, you know, the things that we say and do, why do we say those things about certain people? Do we ha even have intentional conversations and intentional relationships with people that aren't like us? Mm. Um, how can we bridge that gap? Are we willing to? Do we really have a desire to get the, the race thing right? A and are we really willing and do we have the courage to see where we need to get better um, with repentance and forgiveness and encourage others to do so because it's not just going to happen. Right. And it's going to cost us something. It right. may cost us relationships that we've had. It may cost us um, being liked by a certain group of people that we grew up with. If we really want to get this right, right. we really want to represent the cross in this, it, 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 there's going to be some, some bloodshed along the way. Mm, well it seems like race continues to come to the forefront. It came to the forefront most recently when uh, uh, over the last year with uh, Colin Kaepernick, a quarterback uh, who would kneel during the national anthem. At first it seemed like it was about one thing, then it seemed like it was about some, uh, something else. When I come back from this commercial break, I want to know what your response is as another NFL player of color. Uh, do you feel like this went too far? Do you feel like we've lost uh, what the issue was about? And what about this guy Kaepernick? Was he that good of a quarterback? I want to hear from a receiver. We'll be back in just three minutes. You're tuned into Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. When asked the question raised by her professor, why are you here at Omega Graduate School? Sebla Gigluhailu answered in one of her essays like this. I was not there just to add a prefix to my name, though that would feel good. The greater purpose of my preparation at OGS is to fulfill my mandate to be a change agent. The doctoral study is a time of preparation for me to see and to think, to understand the times, and to craft my way in fulfilling my calling. Sebla Gigluhailu, a current doctor of philosophy student from Ethiopia, is a counselor and adjunct psychology professor who hosts a weekly radio show in the capital city of Ethiopia and is an advocate for empowering women and children. What is your profession and how can OGS help you grow to the next level in your graduate education? 
Dr. David Anderson is the new chancellor of Omega Graduate School, formerly known as Oxford Graduate School, and your education as a working adult is important to him, to God, and to all who will be changed in the world because of your important research. Go to OGS.edu today and apply, or call 1-800-933-6188. Does your church have legal challenges? McCullum & Associates has experience with pastor-church relations, administration and organizational issues, real estate issues, church liability, and risk management. This firm understands the legal aspects of the problems, as well as the spiritual implications of those same problems inside and outside the court. Call McCullum & Associates today at 301-864-6070. That's 301-864-6070. Have you been hurt, cheated on, lied to? or unfairly treated by others? Do you have a difficult time forgiving others or extending grace? Then you have to purchase my brand new book, I For Grace You, in bookstores and on Amazon.com. I For Grace You, doing good to those who've hurt you. You will be freed from anger, bitterness, resentment, and guilt. I For Grace You by Dr. David Anderson. That's me. Go to Amazon.com. I For Grace You. Get freed up today. It's Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. That music is from True Soldier, Christian rap artist, and he was one of my guests in the last week. You may want to check that out sometime. I've got with me today special guest Benjamin Watson. He's a Baltimore Raven. He also is a man of God. We've traveled together. Him and his family uh, uh, serve the Lord. They continue to grow their children to be little uh, men and women of God. We're going to talk about that in a second because he has a new book out called The New Dad's Playbook. Gearing up for the biggest game of your life. But before we get there, Colin Kaepernick, was he that good of a quarterback? Colin was a good quarterback. He was good enough to play in this league. Mm -hmm. um, the reason why he's has not been in the league is because of him taking a knee during the national anthem. So uh, did, was that a, that big of an issue? Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> um, you won't get the NFL to admit this, but there definitely, I believe, there was collusion um, mm. involved with him not being signed. Um, was he the greatest quarterback to ever play? No. Uh, was he the worst? No. Was he uh, a functional starting quarterback that allowed a team to get to a Super Bowl? Yes. Mm. Yes, he was. So his talent uh, was great. It is great enough for him to, to still be in the NFL. But everything else surrounding him is the reason why he's not. So did he lose his job because of the kneeling, you think? Um, or because I, I, a contract is over and then well, people have to make a decision yeah, whether they yeah. hire. He he had a contract situation, and I, I don't want to speak out of turn, but I do believe that he, he had a, he could opt out of his contract, and I think that that's what he was he was doing. I think he was going to be out of that contract anyway. Okay. But I do believe he did not um, get re-signed in large part because of uh, everything that surrounded him with the national anthem, um, even though he was not protesting the national anthem he was protesting systemic oppression w out of his own mouth he was mm -hmm. protesting systemic oppression as well as police brutality at least that's where the protest ended up for him um who knows what it started about mm -hmm. but at one point at some point he said that's what he was protesting but i about. hear and how so can we have sympathy for a black man who makes millions of dollars in such a great country then how in the world does he even feel any those are diversion techniques uh -huh. anytime someone says that it's simply a diversion technique they simply don't want to address the issue so you still um, feel like a black man no matter how much money you make or how successful have you seen you me? are <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. Can y'all see me on Facebook Live? <laughs> <laughs> I'm still black. Um, Just because exactly. your skin is black, that doesn't mean you have exactly. to feel like you're and, an oppressed and also, black man. And also, when someone says that, yeah. it's, it's equivalent to saying that someone who has millions of dollars cannot care about an issue. Or that feel pain themselves. Or, or, or feel pain themselves or cannot care about an issue that may affect yeah. someone else. Why we have Ron James even talk about racism? He's a, he's a millionaire. We, we have multiple examples of of politicians, black mm -hmm. and white, business people, black and white, mm -hmm. who, who are millionaires, who may not deal with many of the same things, but because they have concern because of what they've experienced, maybe at another time in their life, mm. or because of the position that they're in to affect positive change, decide mm. to engage and support something that may not directly affect them every single day. Y'all had a black president. Why are you whining about this? <laughs> Is that a real question? Do you ever hear that? I hear that one too. Race shouldn't be an issue. We uh, are doing much better now. Do you hear that? You hear that? How, I hear that. How, I hear all do those. You, how do you deal with that when you're trying to build a bridge to help other people understand what's going on? Is it just an education thing? Is it a. I, there's a lot of people I know just like, look, I'm tired of having a conversation. I don't yeah. even care. You can't I, understand. Forget it. Do you know yeah. anybody like that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're looking at one like that sometimes. I yeah. mean, many times I, I, I throw my hands and say, you know what? Forget we, about we, it. Forget <laughs> about it. We're not going to figure it out. Then, I, then I'm reminded, you know what? Um, I believe that God wants us to get this right. And I believe that he's he's given a gift to certain people to be to persevere. This mm. is an exercise in perseverance. Mm. And so honestly, yes, a lot of times I say, you know what, what's the point? We're not going to get it. I'll read my Facebook po my, my Facebook comments or something and somebody tells me to go back to this place or go back to Wakanda. Uh, exactly, to Wakanda <laughs> or, or to shut up and just play football or say something vile to me or about someone else. Mm. Um, you know, and, and I just want to say, you know, we're not going to get it. But I do believe that if you t if you take the time to ask a follow-up question, usually my wife told me about saying, what do you mean by that? Mm. And a lot of times if you're willing to say to someone when they say something like, we've had a black president or this and the other, say, what do you mean by that? Mm. And then allow them really to explain their point of view, which many times they can't or which many times makes them face their own racism and prejudice. Mm. Then you're getting somewhere or at least you're, s you're able to see if that person's willing to even engage. Some mm. people don't want to. They have no desire to get it right. Other right. people do, and they've just been fed things that they just really haven't thought about. What do you mean by that? That's wisdom right there from that beautiful wife, Kirsten, of mm. yours. She's a great mom yes, as well is. from what I can see. And you wrote this book, The New Dad's Playbook, gearing up for the biggest game of your life. You're raising these children in this culture, in this country, with your faith. Um, why is this so important to you, and what are you trying to get across? Well, Psalm, Psalm 127 talks about children being a gift from the Lord and, and mm. talks about them being, being, being arrows and mm. really arrows that we can shoot into the world once they leave our home, really not when they're just when they're 18, but when they leave our house, they are our arrows of, of, of change. There are arrows to affect the world positively, mm. positively for Jesus. And so our goal as parents is to sharpen those arrows. Mm. Um, we are given the, the, the express uh, responsibility to teach them and raise them to know the Lord. They have to make a decision for themselves at some point. You know, our, our faith can't save them, but what mm -hmm. we are supposed to do is teach them what is right, teach them about the Lord, teach them what Scripture says about certain things that they're going to face every single day, and understand that we have a responsibility to do that because mm -hmm. there are arrows of change. Also, I wanted to encourage dads with this book. Mm. I wanted to tell dads, you know, we're living in a time where a third of our children are growing up without fathers in their home. Mm. In certain communities, it's even more than that. And so being in, a, in an NFL locker room for the last 14 years and being around guys, you know, 1,600 men in the NFL every single year, many of them having their first child or many having their second child or third child and wanting to get it right this time and wanting right. somebody to tell them, you know what, you have what it takes to do this. 
even if you didn't have it demonstrated to you, you can be the one to change the course of an entire generation yeah. because you decide to stand up and take heart and be a man and to support the woman who was bearing your child. Mm. So part of this book is is really, you know, what to expect when she's expecting from right. men. You know, that I go right. through all the all the technical stuff from right. the, the trimesters to the OB OB appointments to the delivery and all those things. Uh. And then part of it is saying, hey, hey guys, we need you and you can do it. You know, I, mm. you have what it takes. Well, you know, Tony Dungy says if you're uh, a man preparing for your first child, you must read this book. If you already have children, you'll want to read it as you continue to grow your family. Drew Brees says exactly what we need, honest understanding and inviting words on fatherhood. You know, in the black community, there's a lot of fatherlessness. Uh, what do you think about that, and how do you encourage uh, these single moms as well? Well, uh, first thing that, you know, the single moms are doing a phenomenal job, and I think we must always support them. Um, Secondly, uh, there's a responsibility, a personal responsibility that each man has. Mm. Uh, when you have a child coming, that's your job. That's not anybody else's job to take care of that child but you. Mm. And it starts with the mother. You can't treat the mother in a way and expect the child to come out okay simply because you're only focused on the child. Mm. The, the child gets the most um, self-worth, the most self-identity, um, the most security from seeing how his mom and dad operate together. Mm seeing their loving relationship that's what gives the kids uh the the the, the stamina and the courage and the and the self-image to tackle right. what's happening in the world and, and and then thirdly i would say when we talk about the, the statistics when it comes to fatherlessness it's bigger than simply black men not being dads mm. um we have to take a step back and look at many of the reasons why some of these dads aren't in the home yeah. We have to look at the fact that many of our black men are being locked up at a rate that is not comparable to their white counterparts for doing the same exact yeah. crime. Yeah. We have to look at the fact that many black men and black families haven't been able to earn wealth in this country because they've been excluded from having the ability to go and have home loans and own homes and do all these things over the course of many, many years. Right. And so you have a situation where y you have these families without wealth and without jobs and all these sorts of things. and. And then you wonder why in our incarceration, you wonder why the men aren't there and the men aren't doing their job. Now, that's not an excuse for them. Right. We still have to take care of the stuff we need to take care of. Right. But at the same time, we have to address a lot of these inequities that are still prevalent in our community. All right. Rapid fire. Real quick. Tell me your first thoughts. OK, ready? Uh, thoughts on Reverend Billy Graham. Spiritual grandfather. Thoughts on Thursday night football. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> abortion. Um, unspeakable. Hmm. Barack Obama. President, role model. Donald Trump. President, wish he would apologize for some things. Favorite team. Georgia Bulldogs. <laughs> Did Des Bryant catch the ball? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not just for my aunt, who is a rabid. <laughs> Cowboys fan. Whenever we played the Cowboys, she's like, Benjamin, I hope you do well, but go Cowboys. Should teachers be armed? Armed with what? Weapons, uh, guns, pistols, trained, skilled so that they can save the children in the school if a shooter comes. No, they're not going to be the ones to save children in the schools. Um, you know, teachers uh, have a tough enough job dealing with some of these kids. Mm. Um, and so I'm not an advocate for teachers being armed. Um, mm. I do believe, however, that, look, with what's happening, we need to look at what laws are in place when it comes to guns and who gets them. Mm. But also understand that, again, kind of like we talked about with fatherlessness, 
there's a cultural indictment here as well. Mm. We look at our culture and see how do we how do we respond to violence? What, what's our appetite for violence? Mm. What is our how, how do we promote people solving conflicts? Mm. All those sorts of things are important. So it's not just teachers and mm. it's not just guns. Well, what's next for Benjamin Watson? He's a Baltimore Raven. He's been a Cleveland Brown. He's been a New England Patriot. He's been a New England Saint. What's next for Benjamin Watson? When we get back from the break, we're going to ask him that question before we land the plane. This is Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. For a limited time, JNP Heating and Air Conditioning is offering a special discounted rate for a complete system checkup for only $89.95. That's right, a complete system checkup for only $89.95. Don't wait until your system goes out. Be proactive and call JNP Heating and Air Conditioning now for your complete system checkup at 1-800-FIX-1110. That's 1-800-FIX-1110. Or visit JNP.com. That's JNP.com. Policies issued by American General Life Insurance Company, Houston, Texas. Not available in all states. For details, visit AIGdirect.com. It takes a lot of courage to face your own death, but I'm glad I finally did. See, I was putting off getting life insurance to protect my family, even though I knew it was important. Then my neighbor's husband died. I watched her struggle emotionally and financially. It really made me face reality. If my husband died, how would I pay the mortgage, the car payments, or keep up the life the kids and I had? I realized I needed to get us life insurance right away. So I called AIG Direct. In less than five minutes, I had a quote. I was shocked at how affordable it is. Just $14 a month for $250,000 of term life coverage. I feel so much better knowing my family has protection. Call AIG Direct right now for a free no-obligation quote. The call takes less than five minutes, and you can save up to 70%. Call now, 1-800-500-6038. That's 1-800-500-6038. 1-800-500-6038. Hi, Don Crow here for Passport Auto Group, a family-owned business with a stellar reputation for superior customer service before, during, and long after the sale. A mission and goal to which they've been committed for the past 25 years. And now when you visit PassportAuto.com on the web, you can take your own virtual Internet tour to enhance your buying experience and help you get to know their dealerships online. Just go to PassportAuto.com, browse their amazing inventory, schedule a test drive of that vehicle you've been thinking about, investigate financing, lease options, and much more. Whether you're thinking about a BMW, Infiniti, Nissan, Toyota, Mazda, or Mini, or whether you're in the market for a certified pre-owned vehicle, Passport Auto Group is waiting to serve you right now. And I also want to tell you that as a longtime customer of Passport, I can assure you they do what they say they'll do, and they do it right. Passport Auto Group, serving the Washington, D.C. metro area for 25 years. PassportAuto.com. WAVA presents A Night of Laughter with comedian Jeff Allen, Saturday, April 14th at Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. If a kid maimed himself, we called that childhood. The bike helmet was. Are you kidding me? I grew up in America before the lawyers took it over and ruined it. We're so confident you'll laugh with Jeff Allen. We're offering you a laughter guarantee. If you don't laugh, you'll get your money back. WAVA fan club members, tickets are only $15 each or $10 each for five or more. Get yours today at WAVA.com. Keyword, laugh. This is Rich Becker, producer of Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. The radio ministry of Real Talk with Dr. Anderson is made possible by the generosity of listeners like you. If this nonprofit ministry is a blessing to you, will you prayerfully consider partnering with us? 
With an ongoing monthly gift of $30 or more, you'll become a Real Talk partner. As a way of saying thank you, we would love to send you a signed copy of Dr. Anderson's book, Gracism. Thank you for making this important ministry possible. We can't do it without you. Visit andersonspeaks.com and simply click the donate button to support Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. That's andersonspeaks.com. Thank you so much for your support, for your friendship, and your prayers. And don't forget to tune in on Saturday nights at 7 p.m. for our new episode of a weekend edition, Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. I've got uh, Ben Watson, Benjamin Watson with me. He's a Baltimore Raven. And Benjamin, how old are you now? Good old 37. Uh, 37 years old. How Oldest old? guy on the team. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. how, how many years have you been in the league? 14 years. 14 years. So now what's next for you? Do you continue to play? Do you retire? Are you praying about what's next? Definitely praying about what's next and, and, and you know, obviously talking to my wife and family. Um, the thing about the NFL is you come to the end of a contract, you don't know what's going to happen. The average career is three years. I've been fortunate to play 14. Mm. Uh, I've been on four different teams, and I'm at the end of my contract here in Baltimore, which was two years. We knew that coming in. Mm. Um, I think back to two years ago when we finished our contract in New Orleans and didn't quite know what was going to happen, and then we get a call from Baltimore to come and keep playing. And so mm. we're about to enter into kind of um, – I guess a, uh, a, a a time where you don't quite know. There's always a little bit of uncertainty. And then you just see uh, what doors God opens for you and, and what others he closes. So mm. we've been here before. Does, does it make it any easier uh, when you know you're going into kind of an uncertain year? Mm. But we do know that um, whatever happens, uh, it, it'll be what God planned to happen. Do you ever deal with fear or anxiety? Yes, I do. I am, um, you know, scripture talks about not worrying. Mm -hmm. um, I violate that scripture all the time. Mm. I'm, I'm sad to say um, I am a warrior. I'm someone that likes to plan. I like to know the future. Um, this probably isn't a great career for me when you always worry about the future. <laughs> right, I remember right. many times my first year here, I tore my Achilles tendon and was out for the whole year. Then you have to try to earn your way back on the team after right. having that sort of injury. So there's uncertainty there. Mm. But I do worry. Um, I do have fear. Um, but I do always try to take that fear and that worry captive. And really, I try to remember, the way I try to combat it is I try to remember all the times when I felt this way, mm. but here I am still standing. Yeah. And, and God was faithful then. Mm. And it always helps to have a wife or a, a parent or a brother or sister or a pastor or someone that reminds me um, of his faithfulness and that this isn't a surprise to him. You know, mm. God has written the entire book of our lives. And we are only on the page that we see. Mm. Now, we can only see the pages that we've passed. We can't see the pages that are in front of us. But he's already written them. And it's kind of like, uh, you know, dang, Benjamin, well, um, it, if you trust it, trust me this far. If right. I trust the guy this far, can I not trust him for another <laughs> couple exactly. of years? And what's, what's going to happen? So that's what I'm constantly reminding myself all the time. But I am someone who is, is prone to worry. In the last 30 seconds, uh, if my listeners wanted to pray for you, how could we pray for you these days? Oh, well, we could definitely pray for right now for clarity uh, when it comes to the next step and, and what team it is or uh, how that, I guess, uh, uh, plays out when it comes to football and those sorts of things. We mm -hmm. have five children, so I uh, would always love prayer for them, but <laughs> most importantly, even pray for marriage. Um, mm -hmm. The guy would protect our marriage, would 
um, you know, bind us closer and closer together. Um, give us wisdom in our decision making and those sorts of things. Well, thanks for being on the show today. I appreciate thank you. you. I love you. Me. Dear Lord, we want to thank you for Benjamin Watson, his wife, his children, his career, and your hand on his life. We just pray that you continue to give him direction, give him clarity. And I pray that not only for him, but for each one of my listeners, even now, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.